It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Boring of MusketeerReport.com as we look at uh, local college basketball, maybe some uh, national college basketball, and who knows if we do anything else with this crazy podcast because we always seem to do that. Um, l- let's start with, with Xavier, even though UC is the most recent to play, Chad, so we'll get to them in a second after today's uh, loss on what became senior day to Memphis. Um, the win for Saturday over Creighton, uh, Rick, um, I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I picked it, but I was not rational in picking it. I no, just you should it pat I, you should pat yourself yeah. on the back. You're the only person I heard say that that was. Gonna yeah, happen. but it wasn't right. Ra- I see. I'm a big believer in rational decision making. My decision making on that was was literally, um, it's time to make a stand. And I I thought well, that's they what did. happened. And I, I thought, that, and so good for them. And good for you. I I actually will give you credit. I you called exactly what was going to happen, and I didn't think that they, after what we had seen the last three games, I just didn't think they had had enough practice time to get their win back, to get whatever mojo they had lost to, to get back to the point of being the team they were before the COVID break. So, you know, kudos to Travis Steele, kudos to the team. They were a completely different team on Saturday night than they had been for the last three games. And that's, that's what it was going to take to beat Creighton. And fortunately for them, they did that. And at the same time, magically, a few bounces finally went their way. You know, a few of those open shots that they did give up, Creighton rimmed out this time. And the open shots that they got, they knocked down finally. So it was it was kind of one of those things where it seems like you make your own luck and that's what happened for them. Chad, does that have them comfortable? Xavier fans now? owe me. I, I was just going to say first, Xavier fans owe me. This will be good. Why because my, uh, <laughs> my, my dad was over. The dogs were playing in the backyard. There was a lot going on. And every time I came back upstairs to my office to watch a segment of the game, Xavier went on a 9-0, 10-0 run. See, it's karma. And then then I would leave. And when I would come back, the score would be tied. And Xavier would go on another 9-0 run. It was miraculous. (laughs) The way that they, they turned it on and off. Immediately, depending on whether my eyes were on the TV or, or not, it was unbelievable. You know what you sound like? You sound like my father back when uh, I was a little kid and he was keeping score of UK games and he would tell me to leave the room or he'd tell my mother right. uh, to go take a shower or he'd tell me to don't, don't, don't come back because you're a jinx. <laughs> I'm a seven-year-old. How in the world sort of am I a jinx? I don't necessarily think I'm responsible per se. Correct. I just know what my eyes saw. Every time I looked at the TV and it was Xavier playing incredibly well. And then when I walked away, apparently it all fell apart because when I came back, the score was tied every time. It sounds like you walked away twice because there were basically two runs. (laughs) Well, that's it. I mean, yeah, right times. Yeah. And Rick, I I know we've all done that. I'm sure you you have. I mean, that's kind of the gambling thing of you. you, You're watching a game. You're like, well, this team stinks. I can't watch it. You turn back. You're like, oh, they're winning. Oh, now they're losing. I can't. It it happens in gambling. It feels like more than anything. (laughs) Well, the, the superstitious or the gambling thing now is like, they were in those weird throwback from the seventies jerseys. Yeah. Those were not good. I didn't like them. So they were supposed to have a series of throwback jerseys as part of their 100 year celebration, but because there were no fans coming and probably because there's no revenue coming in too, they decided not to do all those. However, these were already ordered. 
So they had these, they decided to use them for a game. They used them. It went well. The question is now, do you just like bring them right back at George? Maybe after playing like that, it's hard to change it up. Right. Yeah. The thing is though, I, 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 as God is my witness, I don't remember the yellow. I just don't. Yeah. Apparently it was a brief period in the seventies from what I understand. Really? The, okay. The John Wooden era when everyone was trying to look like UCLA, I guess. And let me just tell you something. In the 70s, Xavier sucked. So why would you bring those back? I mean, they were terrible <laughs> yeah. in the 70s. Why yeah. bring those back? I mean, again, it, I think it was part of a series. So they were digging deep to try to find something unique that no oh, one oh. really knew. And they certainly okay. did because this this shook it up. Okay. All right. So um, Xavier sits now technically fifth in the league standings based on winning percentage and probably comfortably fifth the rate they're going. Cause I think we can agree. They beat Georgetown. Uh, if they don't, then shame on oh. them. But if they do that, then they're comfortably above 500. Um, the issue at this point is Seton hall sits fourth. So that's the potential matchup in the tournament. UConn has a chance to, and so does Seton hall to flip flop that. Yeah. They how much do you want to see? Yeah. How much do you want to see Seton hall? How much do you want to see UConn? I don't know. I mean, you lost to UConn playing, really poorly when you just got off of your COVID break and they didn't have book night. So I, you know, I don't know that you want to see them, but Seton Hall is, uh, is always, I think a, a fairly difficult matchup for Xavier and that the, their style of their physical defense and um, they have some shot blockers. That's kind of given Xavier some trouble too at times this year. So I don't think either one is like a great matchup for Xavier. I don't think you really have a huge preference. The good news there is that, in the first round of the Big East tournament, there's not going to be a pitfall. You're not going to have a chance at a bad right, loss. So right. really what it comes down to right now, the, the situation Xavier's put themselves in, and honestly, leading into this weekend, I was much more of the opinion of like, you know, just win two of the final three and you're, you're good no matter how it happens. I think what happened with the Creighton game is, you, you ensured that you control your own destiny. Right. So if Xavier goes ahead and they win these final two very winnable games, and granted, they're on the road, and they're two top 100 teams in the Big East, anything can George happen. Georgetown sucks. Uh, not the way they've been playing over the last know, month plus, man. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know. It's, and there's it's not a guarantee. You're right. No, Especially you're right. with That's the way fair. Xavier's played over the last month yeah. themselves. So, I mean, they, they have to replicate a, a pretty – good performance maybe not exactly what they did against Creighton but they have to play pretty well to get a win on the road at Georgetown and and same thing with Marquette and if they're able to do that then they're definitely in I don't think it matters what happens they can lose in the first round of the Big East tournament you don't even sweat it I think based off the bubble your resume is that you have no bad losses uh, in and ultimately you don't have a ton of losses either I think that's pretty much the selling point now that you have a couple good wins yeah it's not more than some of the other teams on the bubble, but with no bad losses, it probably ensures that you're in. If you don't get both of those though, now you do kind of have a iffy loss added on and another loss, which that's kind of your whole selling point right now is the, the lack of bad loss and the lack of losses overall. You add another bad loss or at least borderline bad loss to your resume. That's not great. So I, I do think you have to win both of these to avoid any sweating on Sunday, just because we don't know what the selection committee will do with a with a team of Xavier's resume with fewer games played and uh, a lower strength of schedule than what it otherwise would be had you played Villanova a couple times and and that type of thing. But if you win both of them, then I think you're in a really good spot. What about the argument of Creighton and Oklahoma were at home? Any argument there? Yeah, I mean, look, they don't have a, a big road win. They don't have... A, a lot of big wins period. So again, I think the whole argument for Xavier is they've avoided bad losses and they don't have a ton of losses overall. 
that's kind of the selling point here. They, they, they've got a good enough resume if they win these last two games that I think they're securely in. But you lose one of those games, all of a sudden it becomes more questionable. I think you, you really want to win that first round game at the Big East tournament now. Yeah, what do you think about that? It, 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 are the Creighton-Oklahoma wins, I don't want to say sullied because that's not fair. You beat two really good teams at home. D- does, it, does that do anything in a negative perspective or does it go back to, no, those are positives and the fact that they haven't really lost a bad game yet is also not a positive, but it's certainly not a negative. I don't think it's a, a negative by any stretch, but I, I you're, you play the schedule that's, that's put in front of you. I, you have to teams as they're presented what it it does hurt not to have any significant road or neutral wins of course um but that doesn't mean that it takes anything away from beating oklahoma and creighton uh at home now oklahoma's kind of tailing off a little bit here towards the end of the season um are they in danger of falling out of of quad one rick uh, yeah, actually, right now, I think they are. I think they're technically, uh, I'm looking at it right now, 29th. So they would be outside so, yeah. a quad one home win. That, so. I mean, that that's tough more than than where it, you know, the, you know, do you lose points for beating Oklahoma at home? Well, if they fall to quad two, then then you do. That's the situation where you do lose points if they fall out. Isn't it 30, though? Isn't 30 the number? Oh, it. You might be right. I was thinking 25 in my head, but they're right on the I board. Was too. I was too. Um, and Creighton's not I, I think it's 34. Okay. So yeah, but still look, you beat those two teams. They're top 30 teams. You beat them like that. That's your resume. That is on your resume. And you beat the snot out of Oklahoma and you were better than Creighton for the large majority of that game. Like now that they don't get to take away points for that. Those things actually happen. Yeah, no. To, to be answer. clear, Chad is right. It is it is thirty. So yeah, both of those are. That hurts when you have to say that, doesn't it? Uh, hey, look. I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> more than willing to admit when I'm wrong. And and look, when we're talking, that's very rarely the case. But in this case, you are correct. Oklahoma and uh, Creighton are both quad one wins still as of. They're right. just close. They're close. It's borderline. I, I think I think if Xavier gets one of the next two, barring disaster in the Big East tournament, I think they're in. I, I think, and there's and there's really no room for disaster because you're going to be playing Seton Hall or UConn. So I right. tend to agree well, with. Well, but you. I mean, getting blown out, it, looking bad. Yeah, the last th- over the over the last and over the last three combined. Yes, fair enough. And and, 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 and I don't see that happening. I just don't. I, see I don't either. Happening. I tend to agree with Chad. If they win one of the last two, they're in. I mean, they're probably one of the last teams in. They're on like that final four line, but it, you're sweating it because you don't know what the committee is going to do with a team like Xavier. You've never seen this before. And at the same time, there's this other element here this year where look at who you've got on those first four outlines right now. It's teams like Duke oh, yeah, it's gonna be and Duke, Michigan State. Michigan State. And, like, do you feel really good if you're up for uh, the chopping block with blue bloods? <laughs> you no, know, no question. You don't, I mean, that, right. that has to be concerning and, and that's conspiratorial or what have you. But like, if you're a fan of a, a, a team that's not a blue blood and that's who you're going up against on ch- the chopping block on selection Sunday, you're not going to feel good about that. So I'm with Chad that I think you win one of them and you should be in, but you're going to be sweating it. So I, I think if you're Xavier, you really want to win these last two games and then you're almost certain. Then you're definitely, yeah, there's, I, I can't imagine at that point you're, you're, you're out for, for sure. Um, all right, let's go to UC um, lost today on senior day to Memphis. And it was not supposed to be senior day, but it became senior day because the SMU game was canceled. Um, 
I, I, I'm a big believer in what John Brandon did, which is you start your seniors, walk-ons, be damned, whatever. But it did a 6 nothing deficit. They did not look good early. And I'm not blaming him for this. I get it. And there's a part of me actually, there's a part of me that wonders though, Chad, would he have done that if UC was on the bubble? Yeah, he would have. Okay, okay. I think that I think that's I think John. that's admirable. I think that's, I, think, I think that's admirable actually. Then okay, I I agree with doing it. I do too. First first whistle, you got to get him out, especially when you saw Penny Hardaway was like swallow Screw this, hole. swallow swallow him whole. Him whole. Yep. yep. Yeah, send send everything you got at Sam Martin, baby. And, and look, I get it. I, I do get it. But two minutes, two and a half minutes. The, uh, here's the thing. The problem wasn't necessarily Sam Martin and, and Adam Cook. Mamadou Diar turned it over three times yeah, in 90 no, seconds. That's right. You're right. He had the two most incredible 90-second stretches in the history of basketball, Skinny. <laughs> You realize this, right? I know the, the first 90-second stretch. Okay. The second 90-second stretch to close the game, he was the critical component in the 8 nothing run that, that put Cincinnati. He, he, he hit a three. Yep. He got a steal. He had a layup. Like, within, like, two – I think it was a total of, like, two minutes. He did – he had the best 60 seconds and the worst 60 seconds – in the history of basketball is unbelievable. Um, so Chad, help me with this. Cause I honestly don't know off the top of my head. Okay. How many, how many teams get buys in the conference tournament? Is it five? Five. five. That's, what I, that's what I thought. So they're fifth right now, almost comfortably yeah. fifth then. Correct. There's seven. A lot of, I mean, they, they're seven. Yeah, they six would have to lose seven and eight. ECU. Yeah. They would have to lose the EC. They'd have to have things kind of go crazy for them to get, uh, anything lower than fifth. Okay. So that's, that's not an awful spot. And they are technically, they would play SMU then in the next round and knows yes. where they are with things, right? Who knows if SMU can play. Correct. Correct. In the conference tournament. They've been off. They've been off almost a month, I think. Yeah. I mean, they've played 15 total games, 11 conference games, and nobody's close. Everybody else is close. Temple's only played 15, but everybody else is around the 16 to 18 to 20 line. It was still games to play, and SMU yeah. does not. So SMU, I mean, SMU's already bagged Thursday. Right. I'm guessing they're going to have to bag their final game of the regular season. You would think. So, I mean, you're looking at playing SMU. Like, how many games has SMU played since UC beat them in January? It doesn't feel um, like many. I'm going to look for <laughs> sure. It's not been many. You're, you're right. Um, they have played well, uh, more than like you what think. six, seven, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, Thanks. seven. They okay. have not played a game since February. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, and, and guess what skinny, if things hold to, to, to form right now, Wichita is going to be the number one seed. Correct. And so then you get Houston's, them, right? Houston's going to be in the bottom of that bracket. And who knows? And you got, you've talked about it. Both of you talked about it. It's Houston care with Memphis. And I'll tell you what. Let, let me let me let me get a jumping off point with that. I, I don't want to say Memphis is underachieved because this year I can't tell where any team is. But by golly, do they look the part? Holy Toledo! I mean that. <laughs> I was talking. I'm going to have this in my my article that goes up either tonight or early tomorrow. Um, you found out real quick today 
why you can't play major college basketball with like six foot two wings. Correct. Because it wasn't it wasn't Dandridge and Cisse really that killed Cincinnati on the offensive glass. It was the army of six, seven, six, eight guys they have on the wing. And they just go and tip it to each other, tip yeah. it to themselves, tip it to the guy in the corner. They're ridiculous. And, and you got people yelling block out. And it's like, they've got six inches of height and four inches of reach. It's like the big brother that just holds his little brother at bay with right. his arm. Right. Like, and the little brother's swinging mightily. You're doing everything you can to box those dudes out. It doesn't matter. They just reach over top of you and tip it. Like, if you're looking for what Cincinnati has to do going forward, John's got to get some some guys with size on the wing because you saw it with Houston. You saw it again today with Memphis. Yeah, good call. It can work against Temple and Tulsa sure, and Tulane sure, and, sure. and some of those teams. But to really to really matter, you, you, can't, you can't be 6'3 and smaller positions one through three and we kind of saw that today yeah no question but they look they look to look here's my main like here's here's what really jumped out at me that memphis defense is legit say what you will about penny as a coach his three teams have been top 10 in defense every year this team is number two in defensive efficiency on ken palm cincinnati scored 47 points in the second half Dude, on that Memphis defense. Dude, no, no, the funny thing is not, not only that, but they offensive rebounded like crazy. They actually shoot the three ball well. I think they were at 38% on threes. I mean, yeah. so they do they do a lot of good things. That's why I look up and go, how are you 10 and 3 in this league? And how are you 14 and 6 overall? I mean they can't run half court offense. Right. It, it's insane. They're silly good. They are silly good. They have I mean, pieces you want, everywhere. You want, you want to, yeah, you want to talk about eyeball test? That team passes the eyeball test, man. It, let, let hypothetically Memphis wins the AAC tournament. What are you? What are you doing looking at them as a, a, a 13 seed or a 14 seed or whatever as they roll be, into a first round game? Yeah, I don't think it'll be that bad. But I you're don't close. either. But I'm hypothetical. But you're but like, you're close. But you're close. I mean, it's a bottom seed. I don't want to face them as a five, as a 12. I don't want to face them as a six, as 11. I don't want to face them in a play of playing game if it's a 12 and a 12. I, yeah, no, no, no doubt. I mean, they're legit. Wichita, to their credit, just knows what it is. The guy's done a good job as, as, the, as the replacement coach. They, so they know it. And we know Houston's really good. Memphis is stupid good from a talent perspective. Stupid good. Wichita Wichita is Cincinnati last year. Yeah. Right? Just they do have, what you they do. they got a bunch of new pieces, but they have like four or five veteran guys they know they can rely on that stuck around that bought into what this new coach is doing and they're not dangerous. I wouldn't say, but, but they work. I mean, they, 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 they kind of are in this, like, we're going to make this, we're going to figure this thing out somehow, some way. I think they're awakening kind of next year when a lot of these pieces sure, move on, Sure, but they remind me so much of John Brandon's Cincinnati team last year. And that team, guess what? was the number one seed in the American Athletic Conference yeah. tournament that never happened. Yeah, that's a good point. Memphis, you, I'll give UC a ton of credit because I had that as a 15 to 20 point game going in. Did you and really? There were, there were 12 different times it should have trended in that direction. And UC fought back 
every time. I but mean, isn't that look at the, look at the second Rick, half, and Rick, skinny? And Rick, I'll bring you on this. Isn't that the mo of this team, though? I mean, it really, other than Houston and Houston just overwhelmed them, and stuff like that happens, and we see it happen. Isn't that kind of the mo? Not of this since team? the layoff. Yeah, not uh, since the layoff. Go ahead, uh, Rick. Yeah, no, I I don't know. I don't know what you exactly mean by that, Chad. But yeah, no, I I mean I think they've they've shown some fight for sure. I'll also say like it's easier to play when you're behind. It just is. And so, I mean, back to Chad's original point, you kind of wonder uh did it really matter if UC ever won this game? And you know what I mean like to so leaving those those walk-ons in a little bit longer and making sure the seniors got their shine and everything and then let your team play from behind and play loose the rest of the way and just let the chips fall where they may and see where you're at in the conference tournament probably isn't the worst thing if you're John Brandon and UC right now. No, and, and honestly if you look again and I'm sure he didn't look but they were 7 and 5 in the league going into today. A loss puts them at 7 and 6. Tulsa's next at 7 and 8 below them. SMU which hasn't played in a month of Sundays as we talked about at 7 and 4. It really didn't matter in that regard. They were though my, my my one point being they have not played from behind a lot uh since coming back from the the long pause. Now Tulane, Tulsa, Temple, UCF. I I get it. We're all but, different one possession games every time. Right, but Cincinnati had the lead for right. most of all of those games. Yeah, that's the first point. half of the season. Yeah, they were playing from from behind seven, eight, ten points a lot. Skinny. There were thirteen different times to score a basket to go up at least nine points no, in the point. second half. That's a good point. Thirteen different times that that game was teetering on going the Blow wrong up. way. Right, blowout. And Cincinnati always they would get it to six and then they would have a shot you know they get it to six and i remember one jeremiah davenport three they were down six davenport misses the three and i think lands the mid-range floater so instead of being down three you're down eight and that's how it felt the whole second half went up until the final 30 seconds which were just chaos yeah right right they just never could get over that hump to really put the game press because without Alex Lomax, I think if you get that game to two or three points without the heartbeat of Memphis, without their point guard, Good point guard, yeah, I think you put the pressure on them and you have a chance really to win that game. And they just couldn't hit the shot. They had a, a, a Mason Madsen layup to cut it from I think six to four that just rimmed out. And Memphis goes the other way and scores again. It just yeah, was. That's a huge it, start. It right, just, right. They never could get over the hump, which they kept fighting. Hats off to them because it would have been real easy to just pack that one in. It's your fourth game in eight days. You're playing shorthanded. Your roster is down to eight. And really, how many of the, I mean, Mamadou's not really playing a whole lot. You're playing six, seven guys really a lot right now. Like, I've seen to, to have the week that they had after the Houston debacle says a lot about where John Brandon has this program. And, and, and Rick, I'll, I'll kind of throw you the softball because we talked about it on the, on the midweek podcast. I, I thought it said a ton. I just thought it was awesome. Yeah. And that, I think that's more what, what you think of when you think about this team coming back from the break and fighting back. I think that's what you, your mind goes to is after that Houston game and then the Harvey situation of him leaving the team, you're thinking, all right, this team's done. And then they keep playing. And then it's like David DeJulius leaving the team. It's like, okay, uh, this is going to get ugly. Uh, 
not yet. I mean, they're still fighting. So I, I give them a lot of credit for that because I, I really am shocked at, after the last two departures that these guys are still able to, to compete and, and keep playing at a, at a competitive level, even in the American conference. So um, I will say that game today was the first half was Bruce wild. I mean, just a ridiculous form of basketball. <laughs> Kid, um, I really uh, wondered if they were going to set the record for most turnovers in a game combined by two teams at one point. At one point, there was 18 turnovers by the two teams with like four minutes left in the first half. So like 16 minutes, 18 turnovers. We were on pace for like a 45, 50 turnover game between the two. I, 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 I can't do that. That's just ugly. That's Hashtag just not ugly. my sport. Yeah. Um, so so what, <laughs> credit to both. They turned it around. Only six turnovers each in the second half. And before we get too like in detail on this, how about Mikey Saunders today? He's 19 been, points, six yeah. of eight from the floor, two of four from three, five and, and seven from, from the free throw line. And I'll be honest, I thought all he was was a, couple a transition. Assists. I thought he was a transition filler. That's all I thought he was. And they're, they're both heating up, but I will say it does appear that he is going to win the over battle against Dwan Odom for three pointers made this season. <laughs> He's made guys, one in each of his last four games. Yeah, we've had some side bets going on that this year. You guys and, got one going? No, not Chad and I, but uh, some Xavier guys. And that Fans? was okay. Yeah, okay. that that uh, it appears Mike is is going to win that. So congrats mm. to him. Very nice. Very nice. He, he's um today was really the first time that he did what I've kind of been talking about with him in the half court. In the in the full court, he's going to be pedal to the floor and he's going to get to the rim and, and for better or worse, whatever happens, happens half court today. He played with some pace to set up the speed and that allowed him to beat Memphis off the dribble and get to the rim and finish and get to the free throw line. Uh, I think the biggest thing for him today was the seven getting to the free throw line seven times. Um, Cause that showed he was doing more than just like bulling a China shop trying to like outspeed you to the rim, yeah, and tossing it up and getting spanked off the backboard. That's the thing I haven't liked about him is it feels like all he is is a lane filler on the fast break and nothing more. That's all he feels like he is. Today, he actually showed right. some pace right. and he showed uh, some setup moves for that speed. And that's why he was able to be more effective today than he has been so far this season. His, his, his season high was eight. He had eight with like, six minutes to go in the first half and kept adding on to that all the way up to 19. Uh, lastly on, on UC Chad. So what do we make of the Julius situation? Um, I know he's not coming back this year. What's the future hold for that? Every I've heard coming back. He, he just not, not this year. Correct. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he's still with and intends to be part of the Cincinnati program <laughs> long-term. I, I think it just, his words were accurate in his post that it appears he had been dealing with some stuff for a while and he had been trying and trying and trying to fight through it. Uh, apparently that game uh, in Tulsa, it just got to him and he was really struggling to like, to, to keep his focus on the floor and, and, and get through whatever it is that he's trying to get through. And that brought him to a point where he just, I got to take care of myself. Sure. Understood. And uh, hat, hats off to him because I, I see a lot of people, I, I saw a lot of people say, you know, 
dealing with mental illness is a sign of weakness. And I couldn't possibly yeah. disagree more with you. If you're struggling, take some time and get your, get yourself right. Get it together. Like get, get back where you need to be mentally because you're not helping anybody. If you're going out there while you're miserable and while you're struggling uh, to the point that, that apparently he had been struggling of late. Boys, there's nobody more intense than me as a coach and with basketball, but honest to goodness, um, the sun comes up tomorrow. It's just a game. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, look, I'm intense in the moment. And I, as soon as it's over, I can go shake the other team's hands. I can tell my kids you played your butt off. And if they didn't, I can tell them that too. <laughs> but um, you know what? The sun comes up tomorrow. And there's, there is, there's just way more to it than that. There just is right or wrong. I think it, it's it's rough for UC because it comes on the back of so many other well, things. Well, sure, that and, have and, 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 it, and it looks like a cumulative effect, right? I mean, it, it just does. Right. But with DeJulius, uh, my understanding is his commitment is 100% to the program. Um, he he wants to still be with his guys, but he, he realized he had to get himself right. And he's taken the opportunity to do so. So I uh, wish him the best of luck in uh, getting that stuff figured out. Let's go to Kentucky, where they had a great chance to move themselves into a potential for um, putting themselves in a good spot for the SEC tournament. I, I still don't know if they would have run the table, and they still could, and they still might not have. But suddenly now they put themselves in a in a really bad spot with the loss to Florida. I'm just trying to figure out what was Olivier Sar doing at the end of the game. Can you guys help me? <laughs> I didn't get to see it. Let me explain. Well, they're down two. He jacks up a three from the corner with a hand in his face with plenty of time. That's probably not the guy you want doing that. I mean, what are I, we doing? I think it goes back to the fact that they don't have good point guard play. I mean, th these are the situations they find themselves in. Yeah, fair they, enough. They, they, they just, just doesn't seem like anyone takes charge for them on the offensive end. I, I was thinking maybe BJ Boston was going to develop into that guy, but it, it not quite there, or at least not every time yet you know I, I mean i still think they're dangerous look i'm looking at um i agree the, with that the sports they, book they, they, right they, now they're they, 15 to 1 odds to win the sec tournament still i mean i'm i'm i'd feel pretty good about that i i'd have felt better if they put themselves in a better seed position and it just feels like they're just about not to well then your odds probably would have gone down well maybe that's a good point too yeah. but um <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's, it's not like they were out of the game. I mean, they were right there. They had their chances to win it. And I mean, they, they were terribly. They, no, they were up. They were up at points. They made a great run. I mean, the lob off the backboard for a dunk by Sar in transition was great. And suddenly it looked like they had momentum. And then Florida did make some tough shots down the stretch. But at the end of the game, you're right. I I, I don't know. And, and Sar made that shot. I can't remember who it was against. You guys can certainly refresh my memory. Um, but it was back in December, I believe, where he made a big shot to win a game. Might have been Notre Dame. Um, where he made a couple big shots um, down the stretch. And it just felt like this was almost like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm a senior. You guys, I'll, I'll, I'll take. And it was just an awful, awful, awful contested shot from deep off one leg. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it, it I think how many times have you said that about UK this year? Like, it, it's kind of fair. goes fair. back to Rick's. It goes back to Rick, not the Rick's point of not having like a real legit point guard. Yeah, and that's the person that takes over the end of a game, and that's fair. That's yeah. a great. I mean, it's or a, or even a defined go-to guy that is like he's going to get go get the ball. I mean, sometimes it can be a, a dominant wing, you know, that is just like, hey, give me the ball and get out of the way, and I'll hold it, and we'll run a pick and roll or something. I'll make a play. But 
I don't even see that for them right now. So it's like they just find themselves in bad spots at the end of these games. And Devin Askew is just not ready to be a good player no. at this level. He should um, be playing senior of high school basketball, for goodness yeah, sake. Yeah, and Davion Mintz. I mean, I was listening to Cal's comments pregame about the seniors, and he's like, I was expecting Davion Mintz to be our fourth or fifth guard this year. I heard that. No, I it's mean, funny. It's I like, heard that too. Okay. I, I don't know if I believe that, but it was But even still, it just kind that's of tells what, you what, what he's saying about his talent level. Right, but that's also where he said that he saved his life and all that nonsense too, right? I mean, yeah. oh, I came in. Oh, you saved my life, coach. Shut up. Just shut up and coach. Slick your hair back. Your hair is a mess now. You need to slick it back a little bit more, you goof. He's still a goof. I'm not going to lie. It's your guy. It's my guy. It's my guy. All right, Rick, uh, to the Horizon League we go. We're actually, we're in the Horizon League tournament, not because it's getting ready to start. No, it's, it's already, already started. started. That's correct. Uh, Milwaukee beat IUPUI. That was not an upset. Detroit beat uh, Robert Morris. Not an upset. Youngstown beat UIC. Not an upset. And a mini upset with IPFW beating Green Bay. Um, anything surprise you by those games? And so tell people what NKU has next. Well, NK, they reseed the tournament. Yes, so you correct. Get the I mean, NKU is the four seed, meaning they're going to get the highest seed, which is Detroit. They're the five seeds. So correct. So that, as, that, and that was, that was natural in theory. If things had worked out anyway, they were four, they're the four or five. So yes, correct. Yeah. I think we talked about that on the last show and yep. they're surprised there. So, um, it, it's, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say Detroit's a good matchup. NKU didn't get to play them during the regular season. And this Detroit team is very different from the one you saw last year. They still have Antoine Davis, the son of Mike Davis, former Indiana coach, now the head coach of Detroit uh, point Did guard. He, he does not, he's not playing, but he is there, but he, he's Antoine Davis is still high volume player. He's their go-to guy, but they have some new guys on this year's team. A lot of new faces actually that really have give him a nice supporting cast and have made them a different team. They've got some length. They've got some shooting. It's certainly going to be a battle in Highland Heights. Fortunately, NKU has the home game. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, I think NKU, the good news is NKU is playing as well as anybody to end the season. I mean, you look, you look at what they did and, and how they finished it up winning uh what was it seven of the last 10 or yeah i think that's right because they, they got they got yeah yeah that's correct yes or no eight of the last 10 okay so yeah i mean that just uh after getting swept by iupui right that's right yeah, yeah. so i mean they fin- they finished the season really strong and uh, i think i think they've got a chance to make a run we'll see what happens yeah um Based on on those scores, I mean, the only upset was was the IPFW game. Does that change any belief of what we're going to get to, which is the final four of the big four? Or is Youngstown a little bit of a dark horse? Youngstown State has really disappointed this year. A lot of people thought they might be the second or third team, myself included, coming into the year because they did have a couple of experienced guys, one of them being Darius Quisenberry, a young right. guard who has been out a lot of the year with injuries. So uh, the fact that they have him back and uh, they were a different team at the end of the year, I think, yeah, it's possible that they they could be a little bit of a dark horse. I mean, they pounded UIC in that opening round game, 74-58. So they're dangerous. I think uh, it's look, it's the number one seed has not won this tournament in a while. No question. Uh, I honestly don't know the answer to that I need to look it up before our broadcast on Tuesday, but um, it is, it has not been good to the, the number one seed or the top team during the regular season. So uh, Wright state actually finished as the number two seed 
and uh, Cleveland State was the number one seed. And it's very possible Cleveland State is not going to win this thing. They're not even the best team in the tournament. Wright State is. And that being said, Wright State has had their issues throughout the years in this tournament. So I think it's very possible that a, a number, one of a number of teams, whether it be Cleveland State, whether it be NKU, whether it be Oakland or Youngstown State, I think there are a lot of different teams that could make a run at it potentially. All right, before I get to y'all's final, final thoughts, I do want to get this. Um, the concept of the NCAA tournament having some backup plans, which they need to have um, on Selection Sunday when the 60s are picked and some of them are not picked. Obviously, they've gotten automatic bids across the board in some cases. There is the possibility of a team on the Monday after the Tuesday after of begging out. And there's then the concept of in a one-bid league, if a team begs out, maybe it's the next team. And if it's an at-large, then it's the next team at-large. Let's put them in the field. Um, Is that the way to go? Or should they just simply say, no, you automatically advance. Let's not do this. Or is is it just such a strange year that we're good with that? Which way do you guys go with this? I don't, I have no idea what the right answer is. No, I mean, uh, (laughs) let's assume for, for, for argument's sake, that Duke is the first team out of the tournament. And, And a 12 seed can't play for whatever reason, or I mean, are we a 16 this? seed can't play for whatever reason. Correct. Let's, let's but, get let's get real. Well, but hang on. I, I heard I heard some people from ESPN today, and they messed this up because he kept saying, "Well, what if 16 seed can't play and it's Duke that replaces them?" That's not the case. It is the team that that's the next team from that conference. And let's face it, there's no there's no at large 16 seeds. Any at large is a 12 seed at worst. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's not going to happen. I, I know that's been talked about and it, I think, I think that's completely wrong. There's no okay. way that's you, my bad on the, yes, understanding no, of that. no. And, and I heard it today and I went, that's, there's no way that's right. Cause you just qualify, not you, but the person saying just qualified it of a team that doesn't, um, again, let's just say it's the MEAC and they're a 16 seed. If that team can't play, then the next one is a MEAC replacement. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, that does. So make yeah, sense. I can't. Yeah, because I can't imagine. Can you imagine a one sixteen Gonzaga Duke game? I mean, Gonzaga. I'm here better. for it. Gonzaga's better. I'm here but, for it. But there's no way that takes place. There's just no way. Well, yeah, and I, that's the other thing. I just can't get my mind over. We talked about it earlier when we were talking about Xavier. It's just the idea of all of these teams, be like Michigan State, Duke, Indiana, all being on the bubble. Being on the bubble is pretty good for Indiana. They've been. Yeah, they, they haven't had that point. luxury for a while. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah, they might be off for goodness sakes. So, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I do think because because some of those 12 seed games are on a Tuesday. And so if you're going to replace a 12 seed game, um, can you do it that quickly? I mean, I, I would think you need to know on Monday, are you in or are you out? Right. Well, I would assume that is the final day of testing, answer. right? Aren't they? The, yeah. I'm, I assume yes. they have some type of testing protocol, and they'll have them cleared by Sunday or Monday, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine the next team is kind of on standby, keeping keeping themselves as ready as they can be, and maybe being tested as well. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably. I mean, right. they've all been testing all year, so I imagine they're all set up for it. To where you could just say, "Hey, do your standard testing protocol after your conference tournament. Be ready to go on Selection Sunday, even though you didn't win. We may give you a call if something happens." Yeah, I mean, the thing is, and let's face it, and and we all see it. I mean, every night there's. 10, 12, 15 games canceled. 
you would you got to think out of this tournament somebody's not going to be able to play, correct? I it's going to happen. Right. O- odds are strongly in favor of a game getting yeah or at least a team being knocked <laughs> out mean, for COVID. Can you imagine a sweet 16 game and you're knocked out and that team goes to the elite 8? I mean, it's crazy. Can you imagine going to the final four and a team in the final four going, yep, we're done. Yeah, you go. I just, I I get it, but I can't imagine it. But it also sounded like they would give them the chance to like, if one player tested positive, right. They would quarantine that player, test everybody else. And if you know, handle it more like it was the, a guy getting the flu. Yeah. And I'm um, good with that. I'm fine with that. Right. And, and so that gives me a lot more hope because it seems like, I mean, in a lot of ways that w- that's what football was doing. Yes. It seems like that is a, a feasible way to approach this. And, and if that's the case that they will be able to play this tournament without a lot of games being canceled over it, though, we could see, you know, big players potentially missing games. And right. who knows? Yeah. And you're right about football. I mean, we got down to um, most teams that either opted or opted out of bowl games and certainly the final four for the semis and the finals, you really didn't have an issue with it. You just didn't. I think that's where we will be with college basketball. I can't imagine we're not. I mean, I guess, Rick, the thing would be, right, like if the one test, one one positive isn't isn't going to be a major deal, but the second one, you got to shut everything down. And, and Every, how, ev- how everything is that how it goes? Yes. Is, are, are you, I is mean, that I like the rule so. or no, are you I'm just saying, saying I would think okay. like with one positive test, as long as you prove this isolated, then you can figure out a way to like move on. But it two now you've got what I mean, I isn't wouldn't two be considered somewhat of a quote unquote outbreak. I don't know about like, that. I'm not smart enough to understand <laughs> like what, what the probabilities or anything go up after that. I don't know, it, but I do know question. that one thing you do have to take into consideration is that for a lot of these teams, half or more of the team may have already had it. So right. if you guys get right. it. They, there might only have three or four left that can get it period. So I don't know that you necessarily have to do all that. A lot of guys may already have antibodies or whatever. I mean, I, I just, I just don't know enough about it. So I'm not going to pretend to, um, from what I understand is they were going to treat it on a a case by case basis. Like if a guy tested positive, they were quarantined immediately and everyone was retested. I I will say this. I mean, there was a fear a month ago, three weeks ago that we weren't going to get to the minimum games of 13 and everybody got there. Right. I mean, they just did. And so I think we're kind of at that stage of we've muddled through this. I think we can muddle through the rest of this. And I, I, I think that's the case. I hope that's the case. Hopefully <laughs> March is going to be really interesting. Yeah, good point. Good point. Keep all the, keep all those betting slips. Yeah. I'm, yeah that's a good call. I got some future. <laughs> all right, that's a good call. All right. Uh, Chad Brenner, you got a final thought. Um, I'll do my normal senior day. Final thought. Uh, hats off to Paul Scruggs and, and Keith Williams. I, I know there were other seniors on, sure. on each of those two teams, but those are the two guys that over the past four years have really been, kind of a major part of these two programs. Uh, I'm sure things kind of have been a lot more up and down than they envisioned, but both guys turned in really good careers. Um, you know, Keith is Keith is what I think 11 points away from being, being a top 40 scorer in UC history. It's, which is, if you, if you look at the history, that's pretty doggone good, bro. Yeah. 
And you're looking at, you know, 1,100 points as a, as a Bearcat. Um, that, that's a pretty damn good four years. Uh, and, and Paul Scruggs has kind of been in a similar situation where there have been a lot of other guys that, you know, kind of got the, the shine over him. Um, he, he finally got to that point his senior year where he was, you know, the, the, the main, not, I don't know the main guy, but it was his team. And uh, looks like they're gonna they're gonna get a chance to go back to the tournament. So, hats off to uh, to Keith and Paul for you know sticking it out and having four pretty damn good seasons uh, for their respective teams. Rick Broering, final thought. Well, that was very heartfelt and well said. And, and it was and well said. Paul. Don't I'm be gonna, a jackass. I, I, that, was, no, that was that was good. I, I'm being serious, but I'm gonna bring this podcast back to the gutter where we belong and say. <laughs> I just want to, I tweeted this earlier, but in case you don't follow me, which you should at Rick Brewing on Twitter, uh, I just want to remind everyone that Joe Lenardi ranks 55th out of however many bracketologists, over 100 of them on Bracket Matrix over the last five years. He sucks. He gets the key bubble teams wrong every year, which really is the only ones we don't know. Right, exactly. It's just the key bubble teams. And he seems to miss those every year. I've Trust me, I've been keeping track of this stuff We because I have to write about it at the end of every year because Xavier's in this situation every year. So uh, I've been following along. Don't don't go to Joe Lunardi for your advice or what you need to know about bracketology. Uh, If you go to Bracket Matrix, you click on their rankings. There are several other guys listed there up at the top. Um, a guy named it is, Bra- at Bracket Guy Dave on Twitter is number one. It's very easy to remember and, and, and follow. the Bracket Guy Dave and Bracket Matrix is such a good compilation. That's the key. It's a yeah. compilation. Just, yeah, just use Bracket Matrix. I mean, just there. There's no reason to take what Joe, Joe Lunardi says and amplify it anymore, or to put any stock into it. He is honestly terrible at what he does objectively i mean it's it's ranked for us over the last five years that's not that's even a decent sample size it's not even just like a knee-jerk reaction to one bad year he stinks and he's not i don't get the whole joe lunardi thing at all i will never get it quit using him don't you want to just go up to his head and just like rub his little head and go no i'm afraid that wig might fall off good little fella just messes that face (laughs) all right so would you rather do that or would you rather punch him in the face all right, now I don't want to fight the little guy. He's, he's just a, a nerd. I mean, like, he's he's great at playing the role of a nerd. He's just not actually good at being it. He doesn't seem to know what he's talking about, which that's yeah. unfortunate. Because if you're going to nerd out, yeah, nerd out all the way. I think he's good for a purpose of, and I think it's dumb that they do this, but it does generate, like, some off-season interest in the sport. Like, when you get a... Here's Joe Lenardi's July bracket. Yeah, which the is pro- just the silly. problem is he's just as good at the July bracket as he is the March bracket, and that's and that's, that's not great. That's, that's not that's great. Bad. That's well, bad. Well, I'm not gonna <laughs> dox. I'm not gonna dox the guy because I don't know if he makes this like public, but I know for a fact one of the better bracketologists on Bracket Matrix is a producer, or at least was a producer at ESPN just a behind the scenes guy. Like they have someone in the building on staff who does it at the highest (laughs) level. Just give feed the information to Joe. I don't like, that's what I don't let him and and let him be the presenter of it. Right. I mean, yeah, you're the presenter behind the scenes. I don't know why you would want him to be that, but I guess he looks nerdy enough. That's a good point too. I don't know. It's just, it's annoying. It It annoys me. Go rub his little head. It's the weird Al song. White and nerdy. That's it.
That's it. <laughs> to a T. Do a T. All right, boys. Appreciate it as always. I, I'm we'll sorry. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to apologize to Rick for taking things to a sentimental place. It's it, it's my it's my tradition on senior day. So I thought I would. No, it's good tradition. That was well done. You actually uh, gave props to both programs and both kids. I, I liked it. I was a little surprised and shocked and I appreciate it. Yeah. What you uh, said was actually nice. Here, what just, do you mean you're shocked? I'm shocked. I'm always shocked. We're what? Two weeks from Selection Sunday, right? Correct. Yes. And what the hell do I care? Yes. Well, that's a good point. You don't care. Yeah. Well, you know, and the CBI won't be played. College desires. Is NIT being played this year, by the way? Uh, yes. Yeah, 16 teams in a bubble in New York City. Okay. But no CBI, no college insider, correct? I, I don't. Well, CBI is the college basketball insider. Whatever. There's the yeah, CBI. Whatever. I, and the, I, yeah, yeah. I get them all confused. The, the CIT or yeah. The, yeah. Something along those lines. Uh, by the way, Rick, finally got your wish. Michigan's better than Baylor. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't a wish, but I, I mean, I do think yeah, you've been better. calling that for a long time. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I totally forgot to bring this up. So who becomes the fourth one seed now that Ohio State has fallen off that line? And and Villanova got yeah. beat by the Villanova Hinkle Fieldhouse thing is I, I, it's, I don't understand. I don't understand. So who's the fourth one seed? Uh, Illinois. Yeah, that's what I'm. Th- I, I, they've that got was, the most. They've got the most. They've got the most quad one wins, right? Yeah, that, that was eight. my choice. They got eight. I if Io's back. Yeah, I'm trying to think who are the. Uh, yeah, I think it has to be Illinois, probably. If you I don't know who else is close. Down. Right. Hell, Iowa might trend back in that direction. For goodness' they sake, they might. Yeah, they'll have some. Yeah, I don't know. They'll have some ground to make up. They lost it. Yeah, they will. And, but but they're making it up on Illinois, and I think that's where that, that was the right answer. I think Illinois is the right answer. When's the last time we had this clear of a top three? No question. And it's Baylor, been, yeah. Baylor coming off pause. Like, how long is it going to take them to get back? I I think that was where the per- they need to be. Chad, I think that was the perfect storm, though. Man, you're going to Kansas at Kansas. I know there's not a lot of fans. But Kansas has played really well of late. You're they coming off pause, right? Yeah, it was a perfect. And that's not. An, I just think Kansas is a good team that just happened to beat them at home. I'm, I'm chalking that up You're, to that. How, that's how deep are you picking Kansas in the tournament? Um, legit point. Um, probably to at least the Sweet 16, depending on the draw, maybe the Elite Eight, because I just don't know how many teams there are below the Big Two. A big three, including Michigan. I'm not sure how many teams I trust. I, I had a friend of mine who's a huge Ohio State fan, and he kept telling me they're, they're, they might be the best team in the country. And I said, no. I said, no. they've, done, they've done what they need to how do. How many size? Yes. They well, the thing size. Is, and I'm a big fan of doing what you need to do, and I was a big fan of that, and they did what they needed to do, but you ain't doing it no more. So you don't get props for what you did. It's what you're doing now. So, uh, yeah, outside the big three, I'm not sure I trust anybody. Illinois is close. They're close. You've always been know, big, Skinny, do what I, you need to do, guy. I am. You're right. I mean, I, I still get props for tricking Kelly into marrying me, and that is Good what I did, not what I'm currently. I mean, I guess I've still got to trick her every day. Uh, so I, I can maybe that slides to your point a little bit. And Rick's got a girlfriend. Like, it's what you did, not what. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it is. Somebody's been married to you for how many years now? Yeah, 34. What is wrong with her? She's stupid. <laughs> she was the salutatory in our class, too, but she's stupid. 
So there's that. Think, hey, we didn't even cuss this time, so I think correct. we're at a good enough stopping yeah. point. That's that's correct. Shout out to Dan Dockage. So yeah, so so let's leave with this. Oh, so we, let's get to that real quick. Oh boy. Okay, go ahead. Fully canceled? Is he gone? Is he done? Is that it for Dan Dockage? I Rick? don't know. <laughs> I'm not really. I'm not really sure why he was banned from Twitter exactly. I mean, I saw like oh, some no. of his comments. I mean, because air. he's uh, a terrible person. Well, yeah, I think most <laughs> he's a he nut. Was, uh, he, he's a nut. No, he's not a nut. He's a terrible person. He's a terrible human being. I don't know. The whole situation seems weird. It seems like there's a lot going on here for this to be like a, a sports talk show host. Yeah, I mean, did, do we know that Twitter banned him or did he like delete his account? I don't know the answer to that. Do All you? I know is his account is gone. I don't know what made it go away. Uh, it's back. I just searched it right now. I was it's say, back. hang on. I'm, I'm getting ready to do the same thing. So hang on. Yeah. Um, no idea. Dan, Dan Dockage is uncanceled then. Yeah. Hi, Dan. Never mind. Scratch I, that part of the podcast. If somebody, if somebody mentions him, he will listen to this podcast and comment on it. I'm sure he will. He's, he's a terrible person. The well, sooner he goes away, the better. He just heard that's he heard uh, that Chad Brendel. His address is B R E N D E L. <laughs> I'm friends with Little Scout Guy. Little Scout Guy once uh, gave him his cross streets. And he did. He told him to come find he, him. He, he said, "Come get some." How Mr. much would you pay for Dockage. Dan Dockage Brian Snow fight? Paper. Oh my! Like I would a, pay like a real fight, like money. a real fight. Yeah, like yeah. I would pay all of the money in Skinny's bank account. All of it. I was just saying, what what, what 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 odds do we place on said fight? Uh, uh, Doc Dockage is a ass, favorite. I, yeah, well, sure. He's six foot six with a big reach. But I think right. I think I'm betting Snow though, as an as an underdog. Really? I think there's value there. Snow works out, but you're going to lose. Ever imagine? I don't know that I would. Uh, okay. I yeah. Just like actually that tough, and he's old. Correct. And, 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 and Snow could Snow's take that young. No, but he could take a wrench out and like hit him in the knee and no one would see it coming and he'd well, sneak it back in his pants, whatever. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but <laughs> I think Snow yeah. with a little mush rush and a low center of gravity might be a decent upset pick on like maybe <laughs> if I can get him plus 400, I'm taking him. Gino hey, Atkins. Dude, dude, all say is bust, low, bust, bust low center of gravity. Bust, low bust center of gravity. And maybe Dockage takes that, it for granted and has a few pops and doesn't care and takes it takes it not seriously. There's always if, that. if we did that, if we did that thing where we took like one line from the podcast and made that the title of the podcast, this podcast would be low center of gravity. Yeah, there we go. I, I think Rick, I, it challenges on Rick Brewing. This podcast has a low center of gravity. Yes, it does. That's the that's the point. That's like like the, that yep. that th this might we might need to rename this podcast low center of gravity. And we might. That's a good call. <laughs> that's a good call. All right, boys, appreciate it as always. Um, Rick and I will be back midweek. Chad, Rick and I will be back one week from today, and we're two weeks away from Selection Sunday. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly college basketball edition.